Hey, welcome this morning. Thanks for being here. And uh, we're glad. I don't think the topic scared people away, did it? No. I mean, we just truly, we have a whole team in Mexico, going to Mexico. We've got a lot of people that are out of town. But man, y'all came. And hey, we got air conditioning. How about that? That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, amen. How many of you like to just turn the air off right now? Let's just sweat. Not me. Okay. Well, this morning, I, man, I mean, what a topic. I mean, look, look at this. Was, what was I thinking? Dinosaurs, premarital sex, end times. Let's close in prayer. I mean, man, that, that's a topic, isn't it? Some, hopefully a lot of people will decide to go watch this later or say, man, I can't believe you did that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of teachings at the university, at the schools, whatever level. Did God create dinosaurs? Did God create dinosaurs? I believe he did. Some of you are like, man, that's like shaking me up. What's the age of the earth? Big Bang Theory, evolution, on and on, carbon dating. I mean, you could just get just all worked up. And my whole goal is not to get you worked up over dinosaurs. And some of you are like, man, Jurassic Park. I mean, when that came out, I got into dinosaurs. Okay, well, we'll pray for you. But I want you to turn over to Genesis 1-1. Will you turn to Genesis 1-1? It's just a great verse to think about this morning as we look there together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten simple words. If you believe those ten words, then shouldn't you believe all of the word of God? And the church said, amen. I mean, in the beginning, you see, to have an end, to have creation, to have development, you've got to have a beginning. And God says, in the beginning, I love where he starts right there. And, and there's all these different camps and options that talk about creation. I'm really into this whole creationist thing. We had a guy here in the early years when we moved in this facility, early 2000s, and his name was Dr. Kent Hovine. He was known as Dino, you know, dinosaur. <laughs> Dr. Dino was like his email or whatever. And we had this conference every night for a week, and about 450 people packed this place out every night. It was just amazing. People came in. They wanted to hear a biblical account of creation. He was called a creation evangelist, and, and it was, so it was really unique. And, and, man, he just gave so much information, and he was just constantly backing it up with Scripture. And, man, we, you know, people left here, and, you know, they were just fired up. But let me just give you some different camps. The young earth creationism is, cre you know, that God literally created it in six days. And, and so you can go down that road and you do a lot of study. I just want to kind of highlight these things for you. And so these people go, hey, well, it's, you know, it's like maybe 6,000 years old, maybe 10,000 years old. Then there's the day-age theory from the Hebrew yom. And the 24-hour periods were a lot longer than the 24-hour periods we know. And they go into all this thing and then they go... The earth must be hundreds of millions of years old. Then you get the ones that are theistic evolution, and they say it's hundreds of millions of years of age, but it did have God, and God was somehow involved in that, and he guided the, the steps of that. And then there's the literary framework that the first chapter or chapters of Genesis are really a, a poetry framework that God gives us to, but it's not enough evidence they seem to think for creationism. You probably kind of know where I'm at, uh, but... There to, there's no beginning without a beginner. Write that down. There's no beginning without a beginner. We have a beginner. The beginning is God. In Genesis 1-1 that we just read, you just begin to read this. Uh, you know, I've, I've done so much research on this, and I just think about 
uh, this whole dinosaur thing. So I just thought I'd kind of talk about it. A lot of people go, I want there to be dinosaurs, there were dinosaurs, now they're extinct, on and on and on. Uh, I went and started just Googling, and we had VHS tapes, as that date us, of uh, Dr. Dino when he was here. And, and he shared so much information and all the sightings in different countries and swamps and these animals and these huge creatures that missionaries would go in and, and some 10, 11,000 accounts in this one area where they said these animals were just massive. Uh, and, and, and then some people will say, well, they, they must have been a hippo or a crocodile. I don't think a hippo or a crocodile looks like a dinosaur. How about you? I mean, I was in Africa a few years ago, and I came down on this part, and hippos, man, they were massive. And there were hundreds of them, and they were snorting, and they were loud. And, you know, and I was like, man, they're, they're nasty. I want to get out of here. And, and the thing is, this place where we stayed, we stayed in this tent down in this area, and, and all night we listened to the, to the hippos. Uh, it, it was such a glorious experience. And then you, you can just do a lot of research on this on your own, but you go into about 1907, you see all these different uh, scientific discoveries, and you can watch different channels about it. And then they say there was like these really big snake, lizard animals, weighed tons, uh, huge, small uh, this guy named Loch Ness Monsters, he writes about the sea dragons in 1934 in Time Magazine. Uh, even 1994 in Russia, Japan, Norway, Sweden, uh, they would talk about these Canadian lake monsters that, man, they weren't like sharks, they weren't like fish, they, they didn't know exactly what they were, and some were like, well, I think they're dinosaurs. Uh, I read about this one British Columbia, Ogopogo, isn't that a great name, Ogopogo? Sounds like you want to go dancing with him. He was like 30 foot long, on and on. I just read and read, and then, of course, y'all are like, well, how about T-Rex? Where was T-Rex? I, I don't know. But what I do know is I, I've listed two scriptures here that I think are just fascinating. I, I've read them over the years and just kind of blew through them, but as I was doing research, I thought, man, they might be interested in this. So look right there at the top. Were dinosaurs on the ark? You know, Dr. Hovind, a lot smarter than I, he says, yeah, I think they were. And, and you know, when you read Scripture, it says, and God didn't have every species, but he said in their own kind. And, you know, there's somebody says there's like 8,000 different kinds, but there's a lot more than that species. But basically, you know, you, you, you took babies on the ark because babies live longer and they took up less room. And how big was the ark? And you can read the Scripture about that. And it's just, it's really fascinating. But I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 7. You, you probably have read through this and, and, and probably didn't catch it. And you just went, well, yeah, I was kind of doing a speed reading. Oh, look, let me just read it to you. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the uh, fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. That sounds just like when we go out to our zoo and we see the lions and the, and the birds sitting together, right? No, but I mean, God's got ability to do whatever. And so who says that these huge beasts didn't exist and that they couldn't live among civilizations? And, and you know, so are dinosaurs specifically mentioned in the Bible? No, man, I've looked at Greek. I've looked at Hebrew. I've read the scriptures through many times. They're not in there. Now, I did some study and it says the word dinosaur, we didn't even really come up with that word until about 200 years ago. But we would say these big animals, these big uh, creatures. But, but I want you to see something here. And uh, look at the first word, behomoth, behomoth. You, you know when you just go, yeah, you're a big old behomoth. Uh, 
I don't really hear that word anymore, but I know when I was a kid, you would hear it. Well, here's where it comes from. Look at um, Isaiah here and, and Job. Look at Job 40, 15 through 24. It speaks of behemoth. No one is really sure what it is, but it reads a description like this. Look now at the behemoth which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now, his strength is in his hips, his power in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze. His ribs like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring near his sword. Surely the mountains yield food for him and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus trees and a covert of reeds and marsh the lotus trees cover him with their shade the willows by the brooks around him indeed the river may rage yet he is not disturbed he is confident though the jordan gushes into his mouth though he takes it in his eyes or one pierces his nose with a snare i don't know about you when i read about this behemoth here what does it sound like to you does it sound like a crocodile does it sound like a fish Sounds like maybe some kind of dinosaur or something. I don't know. It's just, and then look at the next one, and I've just put it in your notes, and I'm going to move on to probably a subject we need to really talk about. Uh, Levathon, Job 41. The Levathon is another creature described that has been hard to find in a modern equivalent. Can you draw out Levathon with a hook or share his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce jaw with a hook? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, his graceful proportions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near and another that no air can come between them. They're joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Now, is this a little scary? I mean, this is kind of like your local pet, right? I mean, listen to this. Out of his mouth go burning lights, sparks of fire shoot out, smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot, burning rushes, his breath kindles coals, a flame goes out of his mouth. Sounds like a dragon or something. This is crazy. Strength dwells in his neck, sorrow dances before him, the foes of his flesh are joined together, they're firm in him, they can't not be moved. His heart is hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid because of his crashings. They are beside themselves. And you just go on and on and just read this account. Some of you are like, I know this is in the Bible. Well, I just thought it was interesting that I would just, some of you are like, I just wish you would t- talk on this all day. See, the whole creation thing, I, I just took that pretty easy when I came to Christ. I, I, I am a creationist. I'm into that. When God says six days, I'm fine with it. I know some of you are so scientific and you want to debate and you want to discuss and you'll go off to university and on and on. I just want you to know one thing. I just want you to anchor your life on Jesus. And the church said, and there's going to be all kinds of theories and all kinds of different discussions about how all this happened and it didn't happen. But I know my God is good. I know he created us for his purpose to give him glory. So just, just Google it this afternoon, Dr. Dino, Dr. Kent Hovind. You can watch video after video. When I went this week and started going back over some of this, I went, wow, I forgot how much fun we had in a creation conference when he came here. Now, let's go on to this next subject. <clears throat> There's no kids in here, right? Only kids that their parents said, I already read in one. He goes, I can't come in church. I said, come on in. Come on in and worship. We're worshiping Jesus. And he goes, my mom said I'm not allowed in here. <laughs> so I want to thank that mom. I almost called her name. Okay. Do y'all agree we live in a sex-saturated culture? I know some of you are like, how's he going to transition from a dinosaur to sex? I just did it, okay? Let's just figure it, man. Pornography's rampant. And 
billboards and all across our social media devices and emails and whatever and what's happened with the whole sex crazed society as we get desensitized so many times to images that we don't need to view and so many people struggle with this. I used to just think it was all men, but it's not. It's men and women and just how it's destroying people. I remember when I started talking about sex years ago, I was a youth pastor and uh, for a lot of years, Don and I did youth ministry and had a marvelous run. And I would ask kids what they wanted to talk about. And sometimes I'd go, what do you want to talk about? Number one subject every time, sex. I'm like, man, you're 12 years old. You're 15, you're 17, you're 18. Yes, we want to talk about sex. And then the next subject, they'd go, in time. So I'm going to talk about both of those today. And, um, but so I remember one time I was doing research. I was on an airplane, and I was flying across the coast, and I had this book. Now, I'm about uh, late 20s, maybe 30. You know, I had hair. <laughs> That's kind of a novel idea. And, uh, and I'm on this airplane, I'm doing research, and I forgot the book that I had in my hand, How to Handle Your Hormones. And I'm sitting there reading this book, and this guy next to me, and he's, he's looking at me like, man, you're, you're like crazy. And then I said, look, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm doing some research. He goes, yeah, you're right, whatever. And then he didn't talk to me the rest of the trip. But, but, but the whole thing was I'd ask my kids that I was ministering to one time. I said, look, we bring in speakers, and I teach y'all every week. And they said, would you please do our youth week this year? I go, man, y'all hear me 52 weeks a year? like, yeah, but we want you to do it. And I go, and what would the subject be? And they go, we want to hear about sex. I'm like, every night? They go, every night. So I read every single, thing, every single thing I could get my hands on biblically to try to give them a biblical perspective. Now, that took hours and hours to actually speak through it. There's no way. I'm just doing it in a section. But here's what I want to say. The Scripture says in the last days, people will lose their ability to blush. And i got to tell you, we live in that day. Our society has gotten so out of bounds that people lose the ability. I wish all our young people were here. I, I, maybe they'll hear this. I hope so. And, and then I remember I used to travel around the country doing true love weight weekends, sexual purity. They were awesome, man. Churches would fill up. One reason they didn't invite me in because nobody else wanted to speak on it. And uh, so I would come in, and we'd have these huge covenant commitments. And, and my kids got to go through that. And I know the Wombles and others in our church have done purity weekends with their kids, and I applaud that. I think they're tremendous. They were real big in the 80s and 90s. And for whatever reason, they, they're just, you don't hear about churches doing them anymore. And the whole abstinence uh, campaign, and I should abstain from sex and save it for marriage. Absolutely, that's God's way. But you're saying, well, Pastor, why, why are you talking about this? Because a few months ago, my wife was having conversation with somebody in our city that professes Jesus and goes to another fellowship, and they very freely begin to kind of discuss their sexuality a little bit and how it was just all right and just fine to live with each other, with another man. She was a woman. And I just thought, you know, under my watch, I need to address that because I don't know when's the last time you heard a message about living together, but I just got to tell you, that's not God's way. And the church said, and the church said, I mean, God's, this, God is like the cosmic killjoy. God is for us. He is not against us. And, and yet, so many times, we just don't address it. We just ignore it. And I was reading a thing about Lola Jones, that great Olympian, and she says, staying pure is harder than the Olympics. Remain a virgin was harder than training for the Olympics. With all the grueling that it did on my body, it was hard to stay pure. It was one thing to stay pure as a teenager, but as I hit my 20s and as I approached 30 and beyond, it got harder and harder. And I thought, 
I just need to at least say, hey, God's got a lot of scripture about our purity and about our sexuality, and I'll give you some. And, and I was like, God, help us to uh, not separate our morality. See, that's what happens, friends. I see it all the time. If we don't like a particular sin, we can partimentalize our walk with Jesus. And we go, I love Jesus, and we deal with this, this, and this. But this area, we, 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 uh, we, don't, we don't address it. We don't deal with it. And we'll just go, well, I, I don't want to talk about that. Well, this is an area that we want to we focus on. And we say, Lord, I, I want to do it your way. I want to I honor you. And listen to this. According to the National Association of Evangelicals, 80% of unmarried evangelical Christians between 18 and 29 admit now to having premarital sex. And just study after study, I begin to read these things, and, and it shows me the church is like, the church didn't really have a voice. Here's what I know about us. As Christians, we, we should have a great voice. We should be influencing our culture, and the culture not influencing us. And we could give you scripture after scripture. Matter of fact, um, you know, today they just call it extramarital flings, casual sex, sexting, uh, on and on and on. Okay, so why is the church silent? Maybe because they're afraid that people are not going to come or people are going to get upset. And I think, well, Lord, I want to love your word and I want to follow your scriptures. And, Lord, we want to be people of the book and we want to do what you tell us to do. So um, at once, one time the church was very public about these sins. And now we just go, well, let's not talk about that. But then look at what just happened last night, all this killing and senseless murder and how horrible that is and just how we've tried to redefine marriage and God didn't in his word. So we can't give up on the teaching of scripture where God says sex is, a, is, is for married people, one man, one woman. And this is one of the gifts that God gives to the marriage covenant. God says, do it my way and proclaim my truth. Um, be the salt in the earth. Be the light of the world. That's what Jesus says. So we have a chance to be the light of Christ. And I, I just pray that our church would be known for just shining, not, not judgmental, not condemning, just, man, this is what Jesus tells me. This is why I try to do this. It's where I find spiritual strength to hang in there and be strong for the Savior. And uh, so, you know, it's amazing. Over the years, um, when people come into covenant with our church, Tim knows this, um, we, uh, we, we think the church is for everybody. We think all people come. And we invite you to. But when you come to covenant, we realize that you're holding yourself to a higher standard and you want to follow the ways of Christ. And so we'll ask people if we find out, like, man, are, you know, are you living together? And so many, over the years, some have said, yeah, we're doing that. And so I would have to either shut up and ignore it or address it. And Donna knows that I do. And it, it's hard as a pastor. Can, can I just tell you, you got these two people in front of you that you love and you've gotten to know. And then you just you ask them a question and they go, yeah, what's the deal with that? And I go, well, man, it's, it's not right. It's sin. And Jesus addressed that. And I had a girl one time, she looked at me, she goes, you know, my grandmother thinks that too. <laughs> I go, well, man, God bless your grandmama, but, you know, Jesus does too. And, and it's been cool. We have some missionaries today out of our church in another country. And I remember sitting down with them. They had both come to faith in our church in Christ. And I remember telling them, I said, uh, man, this is not God's best. This is not God's way. I'm going to ask y'all to move out and separate till we can get you married. And I was prepared for them to hit me or leave. And they said, you're serious. I said, I am. This is God's way. And they said, we want to do it God's way. And I remember doing their marriage. It was awesome. And today, they're missionaries in another country of the world. And I just thought, man, they're, they're just trying to follow Christ. And they're raising a little girl trying to get her to follow the scripture. So I just think about how powerful that is. Uh, 
Man, I've got so much information here, but let me, let me just move to this because I, I want to share uh, some scriptures with you that I think are really powerful. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. The Bible just says, the Apostle Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their, whole, their own body. So Jesus is very clear there to, to honor God with your bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. And there he says, and this is that sexual gift and it needs to be in the boundaries of marriage. And, and God says, this is where it brings blessing to me. And then look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So God's just so clear to say, keep yourselves from sexual promiscuity or from sexual sin and follow me. And I'm like, God, thank you for your word that you're trying to teach us the scriptures. And then just the last one here, Galatians uh, 5, 19 through 20. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. God says, don't, don't fulfill that. I mean, let me ask you this. How many of you have a problem uh, fulfilling the acts of the flesh? It's pretty easy, isn't it? Like this, this afternoon, if you get mad at somebody, how, how many of you have a problem getting mad? <laughs> You're like, gee, I, I do that all the time. People just tick me off and I go off. I think it's called uh, uh, driving rage. And, uh, but, uh, but man, hopefully you control yourself. Well, here in this area of sexuality, God says, I, I just want you to do it my way. And we could share scripture after scripture but uh, I just think, God, help us to be attentive to you. Help us to, to put you, Lord, in the center. Help us to, to look to Scripture to frame our convictions. You know, all through Scripture, Mosaic Law, New Testament, teaching of Jesus, he just tries to get us to get in on his plan and do it his way. In the, in the New Testament, um, they, they would go to the temple, and, and sex was so just all over and they would have these temple prostitutes and and these people were like religious people and they would go in and and this would happen and, and we read about it in scripture so this is not like some new sin that people created it's like the, the church has had to deal with it for a long time except now we've got so much stuff flashing in front of us all the time and God's like but I want you to get my perspective uh, I wish all our young couples were here so many of them this weekend is there purposing to raise godly kids and our little boys and girls that they will grow up with the values and convictions of Jesus. And the church said, that's what I want for my kids. Now, I know you're like, oh, we ain't talking about sexuality in, in the class I'm doing. I'm leaving. No, 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 I, I don't think you need to there. You're trying to teach them about the love of the Father and about grace, but they'll get to student ministry. We'll have an opportunity to be able to instruct them in the ways of what Scripture says to us. So um, this whole thing where Scripture uses the word... Uh, fornication, adultery, premarital. God's very clear. You know, we came up with a new word years ago. It's called an affair. <laughs> they're having an affair. You see, an affair is not offensive, is it, Tim? <laughs> if somebody says they're having an affair, like I go to this, this sandwich place with Blake. He loves chaffees. I kind of burned out on it in the early years of student ministry. It's the only place we had to eat. And now I kind of do breakfast there. But I go with him, and Chris likes it, and it's a great place. And they had this sandwich. I don't even know if it's there anymore, and it's called The Affair. I, I just, 
I'm like, I don't need a sandwich called the affair, you know? But you see, if, if we gloss over it, we make it good and make it somehow uh, palatable, people will go, well, it's not so bad. Well, Jesus is just real quick. He goes, man, you lustful, you adulterous, you fornicator. You, I know you're like, you want us to start calling it that? Well, let's, you know, the Bible does have some words, and you can begin to look that up. You can even do a Greek study and go, if I had more time and I'm going to move on, you'd go, oh, okay, well, this is, this is pretty serious. It is to Jesus. So here it is, hot topics. We're, you know, you're saying, you're going to be all for weeks, you're going to be talking about hard things like in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about abortion and about pro-life and how God celebrates that. And, and we'll just talk about different topics that maybe we wouldn't at another time. So hopefully this will encourage your heart this morning. Um, I just want you to hear this. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, Jesus just says it this way through, through Paul. He goes, these of sexual perversion, these of sexual sins, fornicators will not inherit eternal life. And so God... Even though Hollywood and everybody makes it look appealing and good, Jesus says, I want you to do it my way. I want you to get covered by my blood and purpose to follow me. That doesn't mean when we fail and we've blown it. That, that is not the message I'm giving today. I'm saying, but when we know the truth and we say, God, help me to attach myself to truth. Help me to follow truth, Jesus. Help me to do it your way. So I'm hoping the Lord will uh, just begin to strengthen the marriage covenant. Uh, man, the marriage covenant is under such attack. You know, that, back to this illustration, everybody's saying, hey, we just live together. Every study Don and I read, the, the chances of divorce and the chance of not making it because they decide to uh, live together first and to get married, the, it just it shoots through the ceiling how those marriages fail so much faster than the other ones. And God's like, I want you to save yourself and be pure. And, and you're saying, well, Pastor, I've already blown it. Here's the, here's the thing I love about grace. Grace means you and I get to start over. We get to get new. And this morning, Jesus could just make us pure and holy. And I love that. So I'm never going to be the guy trying to condemn people like, man, I did this. Man, if you knew my past, you'd like, you hypocrite. Yeah, man, there's, you know, I'd still fight with sin just like you do every day. And there's things that I'm glad Christ cleaned over and gave me a new start. So I want you to hear that message of, of hope this morning. Because, um, but Jesus would just say, hey, flee, abstain, control yourself, uh, submit yourself to my Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, Anyway, Scripture's pretty clear. Uh, Genesis 2, 24 through 25. Uh, Therefore, a man shall leave his father, his mother, hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife. Uh, says they were both naked there and unashamed. I'll let your mom and dad talk to you about that. No, 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 kids are not in here. I mean, we, we just get that. It's like, man, there was no reason to, to have shame. See, when we live outside the, the bounds of God, shame always comes in. Anytime you and I sin, that's when shame comes. When we're doing it God's way, we don't have shame. But here's the great thing. When we have shame, we can repent, we can turn, and Jesus can wash over that. Is anybody grateful for that this morning besides me? I mean, are y'all glad that Jesus can cover us wherever we are? Man, I am. I'm like, man, I wouldn't even come up here if it wasn't for his grace. I mean, that's so uh, premarital sex, yes, it's immoral, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 2. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So Paul was going, well, it's better not to marry. But if you need to, if you're burning with lust, if you're doing it, it says, then you do marry. We, I, I do see that that's what Jesus has for us. And then many times we can accomplish much more together than we could single. But then the other side, you can have a whole uh, discussion about how easy it is to be an incredible witness for Christ, being single, not being entangled with the affairs of married life. So it's just a beautiful thing that God addresses this in our lives, that he wants us to uh, do it his way. Uh, anyway, here's some scriptures. Maybe you've written some of these down. Um, 
I hope, I hope it helps, okay? All right, let's move to the next one. You ready for this? This is, uh, this is interesting because, man, I, I'm just having to skip through stuff because I, I could go for like an hour. I don't know what I was thinking. Okay, all right, so we, we talked about dinosaurs. We talked about premarital sex. Now I'm going to do end times, okay? Wow, you're, like, you're going to do end times like in just a few minutes. I'm going to try. Uh, look at the outline there with me. Are, what about end times? Are we in the last days? And the answer would be, now wait a minute. Are we in the last days? Yeah, we are. You're saying, but this was written a couple thousand years ago. Yeah, and it might be the last days for you right now. <laughs> but f- prophecy is being fulfilled. And, and as, it, as it's being fulfilled, uh, we, we want to say, uh, what influences us, the Word of God or the world? And we all have two choices, and I pray that the Word influences us over culture or the world, okay? Look at this scripture. Matthew 24, 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I, 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 just, I just love that. Like, you know, a lot of times people teach on end times and, and they come out and they start getting out charts and they start flipping them and they get pre, mid, post, tribulationists and millennialists and, and on and on and I'm panned because I think it's all going to pan out in the end. And, and it, Okay, that was a joke, but you didn't get it. Okay, but, but the, but, and, and you could have biblical discussion, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the Father's in heaven going, you know, Jesus, son, I'm going to go back just as soon as I figure out their charts. I mean, I've sat in Revelation end time studies, and some of them have been really good, and some of them haven't, and, and people are trying to predict. And, and do you remember that guy? He, he was a NASA employee. And he wrote a book about 88 reasons Jesus will come on this particular. He had like three days that he picked it down to. And guess what? Jesus didn't come in 1988. The next year, in 1989, he wrote 89 reasons. Then I did some research on this guy. Then he went like 93 reasons. 90, and by the time he got to 94 or something, finally the publisher said, you're a fraud. <laughs> and, and they wouldn't publish his book. I mean, even the Son of God says, I don't know. The Father has not revealed it to me. But he says, be ready. So this whole end time, we, let me just put it this way. Are we living in the last days? Well, listen to 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4, the Living Bible. Just write down that translation or that reference. First, I want to remind you that in the last days, there will be scoffers who will do every wrong they can think of. They'll laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back, did he? And And then where is he? He never came. Why as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the day of creation. Do y'all think we live in a day now that people scoff at us as believers? Sure they do. All right, let's look at this. The coming of the Antichrist is a sign of the end. 1 John 2.18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that is the last hour. Now, I'm not going to sit here, and I don't think Tim will. I'm not going to try to tell you who is the Antichrist. And I know some of you already filled it in. You just wrote down somebody's name. Shame on you. I don't know who the Antichrist is. The spirit of the Antichrist is coming to the world. And he says in the latter days, what moral conditions will be characteristic of a society in the last days? 
2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Listen to what Scripture says. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutals, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Did I just describe America? I did. So I think it's last days. What other signs do we see? Luke 21, 25 through 26. Hopefully you're writing down these references. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, on the earth. The nations will be in anguish, perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive is what's coming in the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Man, definitely where we're living now. And on and on, I could just talk about all the different things. But what are people to do when they see all these different events and things taking place? Matthew 24, 42 through 44. So be prepared, for you don't know what day our Lord is coming. Just as a man can prevent trouble from thieves by keeping watch for them, so you can avoid trouble by always being ready for my unannounced return. In other words, Jesus will come like a thief in a night, unannounced. He gives us scripture, he gives us truths, he reveals the last days, but we have to be ready at all times. Some people, especially old people, they will pray all the time, Lord Jesus, come tonight. Young people are like, well, I got some stuff I want to do, Jesus, so don't come this week, okay? But you know what I find? If, if we always put it off, it's like, well, I want to get a driver's license. If I just get a driver's license, then Jesus can come. And then if I could just graduate high school, and then if I could just go to university, if I could just graduate university, hey, if I can maybe get married, hey, maybe I could get a job. Maybe you should get a job and then get married. Okay, and hey, and then could I just do this? And then could I buy a house? And then could I have a car? Could I have a boat? And then, then, and then could I have a first grandchild? No, then could I have 10 grandchildren? No, could then I be a great, great grandfather? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just we always are putting it off, putting it off. And Jesus just says, long for my appearing. Just be ready because I'm going to come back. So I, I love all this. The secrecy of his coming, it's, it's a hidden time to us. It's a heavenly time, but he will come. And God, I think the thought that I just think of this morning is just be ready. Be near God. Stay close to his heart. Um, take advantage of opportunities to be in Bible studies and study his word and say, Lord, I want to hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, I want to be faithful. Um, wow, I, I'm just sitting here looking at all the stuff that I had. Write down Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. It talks about an increase of knowledge. Man, I, I found this thing last night, and I thought it was amazing. There's a guy named Jimmy Evans. He's a marriage guru, and I've, I've bought his books and stuff, and I've asked people to buy them, and they're really good, but he's also a good preacher. And he did this end times teaching, and I just ran across it, and he talks about the technology, the age, and how it used to, you know, we, you know, people only traveled about 30 or 40 miles and then three or 400 miles and then maybe a thousand miles. And now you can be here today and you can travel internationally in just a few hours. You can be in another country. And then how you can now have a seminary or a Bible college teaching just on a little bitty chip instead of having to go there. You, you, I mean, it's just amazing how knowledge and how, you know, it took forever to like double and I, read, I heard a thing yesterday I'd never heard. It says now human knowledge can double in a 12-hour span of time. That which at one time took centuries or in a century. 
And around World War II, I think it was like, it happened to be like in a 25-year period. I mean, do y'all feel that way that life, that technology and everything is just running like this all the time, like a gerbil on the wheel? I mean, do you, are y'all overwhelmed as I am sometimes? Like, there's just so much coming at us. And yet, with that comes the advancement of the gospel. And I think about how great that is. In Matthew 24, 12, it says, Because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's our generation. The love of Christ. The love for other people is growing cold. And Jesus says, let the church influence the world. Don't let the world influence the church. So in Acts 2, 17, it just says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 1 Peter 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. And he will come. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you just to come. And here's kind of the parting thing. Write this thought down. This, maybe this will help you. Live daily with the end in mind. Live your life daily for Christ with the end in mind that he'll come again. And I, I know you're going, he did it. How did he do that? Well, because I just skipped like half my talk, but that's okay. This could have been like five talks. But I hope when you leave here today going, like last weekend, I just felt the passion of the gospel. This weekend, it's more kind of like topical. But, but I'm hoping that maybe uh, my prayer is that maybe you would grab somebody on the leadership team or grab Tim or grab a Bible teacher or grab a friend or go, hey, let's begin to look at some of these scriptures about end times and, and just see what Jesus says. Or, hey, let's talk about our sexuality and what the Bible says and how we can remain pure. Or, hey, let's look at the creation account and see what the Bible says. Uh, that's my goal. I just want you to be people of the book. I just want you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and say, I'm going to study. Here's what I've learned. I've been walking with Christ for a long time, almost four decades. And I feel like I've learned that much. And I'm constantly reading and studying and realizing I mean, there's so much to grasp about how great and how wide is the love of the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is so good to be among friends in your house. And Father, you're good. And, you, and you've given us uh, your word. And Lord, I pray that you didn't leave us just to be out in the dark and not know, but we can have some confidence from walking with Christ and being in the scriptures. So today, Lord, I pray that you would uh, encourage our hearts in the pursuit of holiness. Uh, Lord, that's what you talk about, be holy as I'm holy. Lord, I pray that people would just trust completely in Christ and nothing else for biblical salvation and they would follow your lordship on a daily basis. Lord, we've talked about some vast subjects, but I pray you would give... Uh, understanding and instruction and leadership lord i love this next song that chris is going to lead us in so i invite everybody to stand to your feet right now if you would and uh, when i first heard this song it was a bill hybels with a guy at a leadership summit and i was just moved to tears and since then this guy you've probably heard of him his name's chris tomlin we have done a lot of his music the last 10 years uh, he took it, and he took it to another level to where now you hear it on the radio or wherever. But it's just called Good, Good Father. So uh, this morning, I just hope right now that you won't walk away here condemned. You'll walk away from here going, 
my father knows what's best. My father gives me boundaries. And he gives me amazing grace and mercy if I walk with him. 